Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Sea Glass Blue by Mel Forbes on AO3. Rating General Audiences. Chapter 15. With two days left in Maine, he wakes to find her sick again. Not sick, not really, but he can tell from the way she breathes that she's exhausted despite the sleep, and they won't be doing much today. Months ago, she would have apologized, but now, he reaches for her in bed, foreheads touching, and distantly, he can hear the waves outside, and he'll get hungry eventually. He'll place individual pills on her tongue, then press her chin up, force her to close her jaw, and swallow. If they can sit out on the deck for a little while, that's a win. But for now, they'll stay in bed, and stay there as long as they can. He'll ask her to lead. He'll let their last two days here come from her heart. And eventually, he does get her to the couch instead. And he has an idea, maybe a stupid idea, but then again, which of his ideas aren't stupid? While she rests on the couch, head on the cushions, he strips the bed down to its fitted sheet, then shimmies the mattress off the frame. He wonders if they could lose their deposit, but then again, he doesn't care. Almost hopes as he carries their mattress into the living room and through the sliding door that he'll break a few lamps, put scratches on the wall. Place is busted, the owner would say over the phone, so maybe you two should just keep it. And they can continue to exist in this off-skirt of their universe, where her god can't find them. A blanket and a quilt and a mattress on their deck, pillows set so they can look over the steps and out at the ocean. When he comes back inside, she furrows her brow, asks what in God's name he's doing, and he smiles and tilts his head towards the porch. And she sits up and stands on aching, tired joints, her head spent already. So he wraps an arm around her, leads her outside. He wonders where the care begins and romance ends, or if those two have been inextricably joined forever, no chance of peeling those layers apart. He wonders if he could even have cared for her without loving her first. When she sees their bed beneath the half-cloudy sky, the tide distantly coming in, the furs around them swaying in the breeze, the day feels like a warming of summer. She smiles, looks up at him, and smiles. They don't need to get out of bed today. Pulling back the covers, she climbs in, and they're still in pajamas, and if she starts to get cold, he'll give her his sweater and maybe a book, or he'll stretch the record player's power cord onto the porch, and he'll tune a transistor to whatever station they can find. He doesn't really care what they do. Two days. They have two days. They're making the most of two days. For dinner, she wants instant ramen. So he goes back to the grocery store and gets her some. Last chance lobsters. They'll have those tomorrow. But for now, soy sauce ramen. And he puts two blocks of noodles into a saucepan, the widest, deepest bowls he could find left on the counter. Years ago, he had a roommate who insisted that the right way to make ramen was to crack an egg over the boiling water. Let the broth cook the egg, and they have to use their eggs up anyway. So he ladles soup, it feels a bit generous to call this soup, into the bowls, and cracks one egg over each top, the yolk whitening as steam rises up. With days starting to grow longer, they can eat dinner before the sunset, and she wants to eat outside anyway, and he understands why, for as he carries two bowls out onto the porch, he notices that the house feels so stuffy in comparison. They ought to open a few windows. She sits cross-legged when she eats. She doesn't know how to use chopsticks, at least not how they use them in the right way. And they have silverware here anyway. 
This afternoon, they finish the Fellowship of the Ring. So he wonders what they'll read tomorrow. He wonders how they'll spend tomorrow at all. In a way, the second-to-last day feels worse than the last, for he feels he must do something today, that the end is so near, that tomorrow will fly by and leave him breathless. So now, now he must do last things he wants to do. But he can't think of what he wants to do, and it's easy to think of last times, but it's hard to think of second-to-last times. The second-to-last times, he'll wake up next to her. The second-to-last time, he'll hear her voice. And in a way, aren't those more special? No performances, no cares in the world, the expectation of more, even if that more is only once more. And then, there are the last times no one expects to be the last times. The ones when he thinks he'll see her again, when she leaves work the same way she always does, when she steps inside of her apartment and locks the door. He can kick himself for not knowing, but he wishes he'd known, for then he would have made it more special. But instead, he tries to trace back to last week, when he last saw her and no, he can barely remember what he ate for dinner last night. And because everything was so normal, there's no landmark in his mind, no pillar of time off which to build his memory. In a couple of years, maybe he'll remember the last thing she said to him before she learned that she would die. Maybe he'll remember the last time she left work after a case. And maybe they won't know that their last kiss will be their last, or that he'll never see her alive after a certain day. And he needs to make peace with that. In a way, he finds this harder than making peace with her death. What if this is their last sunset together? Seen on the beach, he's too tired to fret over whether or not this is their last. He doesn't have the energy to care about whether or not tomorrow will be cloudy. Watching her, he started to realize that living like you're dying doesn't exist, for she's too tired to, say, go skydiving. And if she always dreamt of traveling to Italy, driving all over France in a car with a dodgy manual transmission, riding elephants in Thailand, then she can't do those things. Not now. Not with her poor immune system. Her exhaustion, the demands of her doctors. Really, she should have done those things years ago. Or she should have said, fuck the pills, and gone away. But she doesn't want those things for those things are fleeting. They're images, a wispy moment, momentary happiness, frighteningly identical to getting high. No, what she would prefer is to cut her remaining time in half, but have that time feel healthy. She would tour the Sistine Chapel then, or she would join him on a road trip to as many national parks as they could manage, and she would die in her sleep in some shitty motel, and he would buckle her cremated remains into the passenger seat of his car and bring her home. No one wants to live like they're dying. The dying want to live like they're living. But there's no room for that. Not anymore. Not while she leans against him out of need. And not romance. Not while getting out of bed is too much sometimes. Though he's glad for their time here. He wishes they just had that. Time. More time. More space to grow together. He wishes he didn't have to worry about last times. For he had no reason to believe that any of these times would be their last times. By bedtime, she's perked up enough to brush her teeth on her own, so he gives her some space. At least she isn't sick. At least he could feel her laugh against him while they rested on the porch this morning. Now their mattress is back in the bedroom, and he doesn't feel that they've wasted this day, and he's tired. He's ready to sleep, but he doesn't think he should sleep. He needs to make the most of this day. One more day. How can they fill all they need to do into one day? Though he's not nervous, he's wary of tomorrow. For there are so many expectations. What if his expectations aren't met? What if hers aren't? When she joins him in bed, 
turns off her bedside lamp, casts them in darkness. He reaches out for her and holds her as if they'd done this every night for years. He wishes they'd done this every night for years, not because he regrets the course of his life, but because he wants them to have more time. He wants so much more time. He wants a wraparound porch, like she said, and a brick fireplace, and two children, a boy and a girl. Exactly that. They've talked about this, being indulgent, but no, he really wants it. He wants it badly enough that he'll do anything. He'll fight for her. Whatever she needs, he'll do it. If he needs to kill for her, then so be it. He wants her life. He wants her alive. Alongside him, she reaches up, touches his cheek, her brow furrowed. She can sense that something is wrong, but if he meets her gaze, he'll start to cry, and he doesn't want to cry, both because he doesn't want her to see him cry and because he hates crying at all. What use would crying do? But she presses his cheek, tilts his head towards her, and he can't look away from her. So he closes his eyes, swallows uncomfortably. I don't want to lose you, he says, his voice cracking, his eyes stinging with tears. And as he cries, she holds him close and tells him that he won't lose her, not at all. But he doesn't think she understands, and he doesn't want to correct her. At three in the morning, he wakes for no reason. He looks over at her and thinks how she might not wake up, how he might have to call a coroner, might have to call her mother. And the last time he saw her alive was when he kissed her goodnight, his eyes still bloodshot with tears, and he expected that she would wake up. Why had he expected that she would wake up? Because that's the way human beings' minds work. He tells himself, and really, no one should be forced to fear whether or not they'll wake up. No living every day like it's your last. None of that. For the best way to live was as if you had time to spare, but not so much that you shift your course. Enough, but just enough. And then everything would be so much easier, so much clearer. And he wouldn't be awake at three in the morning watching her sleeping chest rise and fall, uncomfortably obsessive in his gaze. She must notice that he's awake, for she flutters her eyes open, then reaches for him, relaxing back to sleep. This won't be his last time seeing her alive. It won't be. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.